So as we're, we're going to jump into this message, and I'm excited about it, uh, but I want you to do something for me. Would everybody please raise your right hand and repeat after me. Say this. Say, I, and state your full name, give you permission to mess with my mind. All right, now that we got that out of the way, this is going to be a good Sunday. Good Sunday, because I'm going to take you to a place that might seem a little bit unnatural for many of you. And you may think at first, why on earth would I want to, would I want to go there? I want you to follow me to a little place I call the uncomfort zone. The uncomfort zone. And this may not be what you think it is, but uh, I've got the next 36 minutes and 57, 6 seconds to convince you that you want to be in the uncomfort zone. And I'll tell you why. I will convince you, babe. I'll tell you why. The uncomfort zone is where God moves. The uncomfort zone is a place of awakening. The uncomfort zone is a place of power and authority. Not just natural, but supernatural power. Let me tell you what the uncomfort zone is not. The uncomfort zone is not like a Ben Stiller movie. Something about Mary, meet the parents. You know all those movies where every other scene has an uncomfortable situation. And you're just kind of like, did he really say that? Did he really just do that? This is not what I'm talking about. The Uncomfort Zone is not like a Ben Stiller movie. The Uncomfort Zone is not easy. And you might have already guessed that. You might know that. The Uncomfort Zone is not easy. It is hard, but it will pay off. If you go into the Uncomfort Zone, there will be rewards. There will be fruit that comes out of it. So let me frame this for you, and actually let me, let me let the Bible frame this for you. We're going to start off in uh, Isaiah chapter 64. I'm going I'm to uh, kind of set the stage, frame what the uncomfort zone is. Chapter 64, verse 8, it says, And yet, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay, and you are the potter. We are formed by your hand. We are the clay, and you are the potter. Everybody repeat after me. I am... A lump of clay. All right, I told you I was going to mess with your mind a little bit. It's going to be good. The potter and the clay. Many of us know this representation of God, that he is the potter, that we are the clay. But have we ever really stopped to think about what that means? What it means to be a lump of clay. Let me, let me give you a little example. Since we're in East County, right? Imagine you, you reach down into your yard and you pick up a nice, a nice lump of East County clay. For starters, it's probably going to be really dry. It's actually going to actually take you quite a bit of work just to get that lump out of the ground because it's dry out here. The ground is dry and the clay is dry, and that means it starts to crack. It's, maybe it crumbles a little bit in your hand. It's, it's not very malleable. You can't, you can't work with it that easy. So what do we do if something's dry? We add water, right? So how much water is needed? Okay, imagine you have that lump of clay in your hand, and you take a glass of water and you just pour it over that lump of clay. Is all of the water going to soak into the clay? No, most of it is probably just going to fall off onto the ground. But a little bit, a little bit will come in. And so what you have to do if you actually want to work with that lump of clay is little by little you have to work the water into every pore, every crack, and work it in. It's not just going to go in easily. You actually have to, to go to some effort to get that clay to be moldable, to get that clay to be shapeable. The same is true for the clay out here in East County. Same is true for us in the spiritual that we are this lump of clay, and in order for God to use us, in order for God to mold us, to shape us, we have to add water. What does that mean? This is the water. 
the water of the word of God. We actually have to allow the word of God to come over us, to be poured over us. Every Sunday, we come in and we get the word of God. We get the water of God poured over us. Does all of it sink in? Probably not. A lot of it maybe falls to the ground. Not every scripture that we read from the stage is going to apply directly to you in this season, in this time. But we know the Bible does say that all scripture is God-breathed and useful for edification. It's useful for teaching. Now, may, so maybe there's some water that pours on you that, that you don't understand it right now. Maybe it doesn't apply right now. Just file it away for later. Maybe it's for another time. Maybe it's for the next season in your life. But what you do have to do is you do have to allow something to sink in. You have to allow the water of God, the word of God to come over your life. Get into those pores. Get into those cracks. If you want to be moldable, if you want to be shapeable, if you want to allow God to use you, you've got to allow his water first to come into your life. I love this scripture in Psalms. It talks about this, Psalms 1, 1 to 3. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit in each season. Their leaves never, never wither. They prosper in all they do. They meditate in the law of the Lord day and night. You see, when you come into church on Sunday, you will get exposed to the water. You will get exposed to the word of God. And that will, that will help. That will start to begin to fill in those cracks. It will start to allow you to be a little bit moldable, a little bit shapeable. But the truth is, unless you take it on your own power, unless you, t- unless you take the steps to actually meditate in the law, meditate in the word, day and night, it says day and night, it's not until you do that that your roots will be planted deep, that you'll actually start to draw from something, not just what the preacher says, not just what your connect group leader says. What is God saying to you? What is God speaking to you? When you're meditating on it, it's going to be like you're a tree planted by the rivers of living water. So it actually doesn't matter if it's raining outside. It doesn't matter if somebody's watering you. You're going to be watered from the roots. You're going to be drawing in that living water from a source that's not a natural source. It's a supernatural source. We serve a supernatural God, and he wants He wants to use us. He wants to shape us. He wants to mold us in that clay. But here's the deal. And this is where we get to start about, start talking about the uncomfortable parts. In the uncomfort zone, if you're a a lump of clay, which we've all agreed that we are, then uh, as God pushes on you, as God shapes you, as God molds you, there's going to be some pressure right? God can't mold you with no pressure. He actually has to see you. He has to find you in that place where you've been soaked with the water, where you're drawing up the water. Now he can begin to shape you after his will. Now he, he can begin to apply some pressure in situation. Ah, I don't like that. Oh, it's a little bit tight. God, he's squishing, squishing me down. God is going to, God is going to do what he needs to do, but he's, he wants you to be in a place where you're ready for it, where you desire. You actually want to be in that uncomfortable situation because you know it's good for you. You know he has the best intent for you. You know that he is trying to shape you into something that you cannot be on your own. That he has, a, he has this idea of you, not just as a lump of clay, but as a vessel. He actually wants to create you into a vessel, a vessel for, that, that he can pour into. A, a lump of clay just by itself can't hold anything, can't hold any water. But if he shapes you into a vessel, if he molds you and he makes you into a vessel, that you can not only carry water for yourself, but then you can start watering other people. You see where this is going? When you step into the uncomfort zone, you allow God to shape you. You begin to be a difference in somebody else's life. 
you begin to be the person that can be a connect leader, that can be a preacher, that can start pouring out the water on somebody else. This is how the word of God, this is how the church of God propagates. This is how it moves forward. It's people catching hold of the understanding that being uncomfortable is not just about your situation. It's not just about your family situation. It's about generation. It's about legacy. It's about preaching and teaching and lifting up the word of God to an entire city, entire generation. We have to be in that uncomfortable zone where we allow God to mold us. We allow God to shape us. So once, once he's molded us, once he's shaped us into the vessel that is his design for us, uh, part of that process is he's going to, like a true potter, he's going to put us on the wheel. He's going to put us on the wheel. You know what that means. That means you're going to be going around and around and around and around and around again. And he's going, to, he's going to push on you. He's going to mold you. He's going to shape you. And you're going to be spinning. What are we doing here, God? I can't believe we're doing this again. How many times do we have to do this? I don't know what's happening. You can't see anything. You're a little bit dizzy like I am right now. And, and, but, but you know you're in the right place because you're in God's hand and you're on his wheel. If you're in God's hand and you're on his wheel, you're in the right place. Yes, it's going to be the uncomfort zone. Yes, that's the place where maybe you can't get a good grip on anything. Maybe it just seems like everything's spinning, but you know that you're in the right place. You can feel his touch. And that's the beautiful thing about being in the uncomfort zone, is that when you're in that place with God, you can always feel his presence. You may not understand it all. You may not be able to catch your breath at some times, but you know that you're in his presence. There's a fundamental principle that, uh, that I would say defines this, this message, and it's this. The uncomfort zone is where you go if you want God to be active in your life. Let me say that again. The uncomfort zone is where you go if you want God to be active in your life. If you don't want God to be active in your life, then you can stay in the comfort zone. Let me tell you what, about what that means. The comfort zone, see, when we, when we say that term, it seems like a nice place, right? It seems like a pleasant thing, but it's a trap. It's a trap, and I'll convince you why. Let me, let me uh, give you this analogy. Consider, consider a, a frog. If you take a frog and you put it into boiling hot water, immediately the frog's going to jump out of there. Immediately it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to get out because it knows it's not good for it to be in there. But if you take that same frog and you put it in a pot of, a pot of room temperature water, and then slow you, slowly you start to turn up the heat, hotter and hotter and hotter, the frog will just sit in there until eventually you get a boiled frog. Maybe some of you don't understand that analogy. So let me, let me put it this way. What's the most comfortable place that you can think of? Your bed. I know my wife would say at 9.30 at night, if she's lucky, like she gets into bed, she pulls up the covers, and she says, this is my favorite part of the day <laughs> when she's about to go to sleep. Your bed is probably, for most of us, the most comfortable place that you can think of. But what happens if you stay in your bed for too long? Too long, you, 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 have to, you need something to drink, you need something to eat, you have to go to the bathroom. You stay in the bed for too long, eventually you'll start to develop sores. Wait a second, I thought this was the most comfortable place on the planet. How is it that if I stay in the most comfortable place on the planet, I eventually start to get sore? I eventually start to get tired, I eventually want to get out of that place. That's why the comfort zone is a trap. And so I'm going to give you a choice. You can choose to stay in your comfort zone, and like the frog, die slowly. Or you can choose to break out. You can choose to stretch. You can choose to grow. You can choose to be used by God, to be shaped by God. So I know which one you guys are all going to pick, so I'll just go with that one. How do we break out? How do we break out of our comfort zone? I'm so glad you asked. Well, it depends. 
It depends on which comfort zone you're locked in. What? There's more than one? There's more than one comfort zone? Ideal meal. What are we going to do? But I've got, good, for, I've got news, good news for you. For every locked door, there is a key. For every locked door, there is a key. So I'm going to talk about a few comfort zones that we can get trapped in. And I'm going to give you some keys to break out of these comfort zones. Are you ready? Come on, if you're taking notes and you want to go to heaven, get your pens out, get your notebooks out. This is going to be good. The first comfort zone we want to talk about is the comfort zone of being self-propelled. Self-propelled. This is a comfort zone where we are confident in our own ability. Where we can do it, we don't need any help, I got this, you don't, you don't need to help me God, you don't need to help me people, this is my place where it's all under control, right? This is a self-propelled zone, I can just keep moving on, I can just keep doing what I'm supposed to be doing, and, uh, and, and you might be successful to a certain extent. You know, there's, there's certainly things that we can do in our own power in this comfort zone. But when, when you really get down to it, you're probably only going to be able to accomplish some small tasks. There's, there's probably not going to be a lot of breakthrough. You're probably not going to have a lot of growth. And there's probably not going to be many lasting results. You see, the comfort zone of self-propelled is where we just, we just turn in a little circle. It's like a hamster on a wheel, basically. We, we think that we're moving. We think that there's motion. We think that work is getting done. But really, we're just stuck in the same place. We're not actually going anywhere. You see, in order for us to go somewhere, in order for us to break out, we actually have to step off the hamster wheel. We have to step out of the comfort zone of being self-propelled, and we have to understand that there's something else that God has for us. There's more to the story. And so here's a little statement that I want to I read to you that uh, will help you identify if you're in this comfort zone of being, of being self-propelled. If I can accomplish my assignment in my own power, then my assignment is not God's assignment for my life. Let me say that again. If I can accomplish my assignment in my own power, then my assignment is not God's assignment for my life. There's a, there's a story in the Bible, a gentleman, maybe a lot of you have heard of Jabez. In 1 Chronicles 4, to 10, 4 and 10, it, it talks about his prayer that he prayed. Jabez knew that his assignment was bigger than where he was at. And so... Really, in the Bible, this is the only place that it mentions Jabez, but it mentions him because this prayer is universal. This prayer is so significant because it, it, it locates Jabez in a place, and he understands that he needs something more, that he needs to expand his territory. And it says this, he was the one who prayed to the God of Israel, oh, that you would bless me and expand my territory. Please be with me in all that I do and keep me from all trouble and pain. And God granted him his request. Pretty simple, right? It seems like, wow, that's, I mean, it's a pretty simple but powerful prayer. And I'll tell you why it has universal application. Because no matter what situation you're in, God can expand your territory. It doesn't matter how far you've achieved. It doesn't matter how much you've done or where you've run to or all the things that you have. God can expand your territory. The question is, do you want it? Do you want to pray this prayer? Do you want to step out of this comfort zone of being self-propelled? Do you want to step into the uncomfort zone of letting God expand your territory? And you might think, well, I mean, I have everything I need. I don't really want anything new. Well, maybe it's not just about you. There's, like I said, when you expand territory, you create space for somebody else to enter. You create space for somebody else to achieve a breakthrough. You create space for somebody else to do something that they've never done before. We have to have a desire. We have to be able to see that God wants to expand our territory. But here's the key. Here's the most important thing about this prayer, I believe, or one of the most important things. It says, please be with me 
Please be with me in all that I do. See, Jabez knows that if God expands his territory, then it's more than Jabez can handle on himself, by himself. He knows that he needs God to be with him in that expansion. You see, when you go out, when you, when you think about even going out, and you, you, you say, well, I'm at my limit. This, this is my max capacity. This is all that I can handle. Good. That means you're in the place where you need more territory so that God can move in your life. If you're doing everything at your own capacity and that's it, then where's God moving? How's God impacting that situation? You need to have more territory because that's where it gives God room to move. That's the uncomfort zone. It's the place of expanded territory. It's the place of growth. Maybe, maybe sometimes we think, well, you know, isn't that, isn't that being a little needy, right? Like always, always needing to rely on God, always needing to ask him for help, always needing to expect that he's going to show up, always needing to depend on him. Well, why wouldn't we always depend on God? He's the dependable one, the only one that's universally dependable. People will fail you. People will, will err. People will make mistakes. God will never make mistakes. He never has. He never will. He can't. It's impossible for God to make a mistake because that would be sin, and God cannot sin. God is perfect. God is the dependable one. So why not always depend on him? Like, I know it sounds a little bit entitled, it sounds a little bit needy, but that's only in a natural interpretation. You've got to think supernaturally. If, if God is going to take you to a place, an expanded territory that only he can take you to, then why would he send you out there and leave you to suffer on your own? Why would he put you in that place where he knows that, that only he can get you there? He knows that he's the only one who's got the power to see you through it. He, God is not a, a, a vindictive God. God is not a God that's going to send you out and cut all ties. No, he wants to send you out because he wants to be with you. He wants to be in your life. He wants to mold you. He wants to put that pressure on. He wants to apply it in every area of your life. Remember, you're on the wheel. You're that lump of clay being spun around and around and around and around again. God wants to look at you and shape you from every facet, not just in one area. Don't just give God one area of your life. Give him your whole life. Say, I'm on this wheel and I'm spinning around. I'm spinning around and around. As much as you want, God, spin me, mold me, shake me, do whatever you have to do. Make me the vessel that you want me to be, not the vessel that I want to be. And it's so, the Bible is so good. It gives, gives us so much, so much to, to draw from, so much to, to learn from. Psalms 18, 35, it says, You have given me your shield of victory. You have given me your shield of victory. Your right hand supports me. Your help, watch this, has made me great. I thought it wasn't good for us to, to want to be great. No, no, no. We, we put ourselves in a position so that God can make us great. We're not trying to elevate ourselves. We're not trying to lift ourselves up. Remember, we are the clay. We're on the wheel. We're letting God do it. So if we're great, it's because of him, not because of us. It's because of how he has shaped us. He has made us great. Can, can God make anything that's not great? No, he's God. He makes only great things. That's why God is good. We just need to see that he has more for us, and only he can get us there. You see, part of the problem with comfort zones is that they're deceptive. And each comfort zone co comes with its own deception. This particular one, the comfort zone of being self-propelled, comes with the deception of blinders. It's so hard for us at times to see past our own ability. It's so hard at times to see you know, how God can, can step out, how God can move. We, we operate in this comfort zone with blinders on. We say, okay, this is my lane. This is the ability that I have. So I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna work this one lane and that's it. I'm gonna go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth on a hamp like a hamster on a wheel. And I'm just gonna do that because that's all I can see. We need to see from a God's eye view. And that's the key to unlock this comfort zone. 
to see things with a God's eye view. So many times in scripture, God says, see, I have given you. Adam, see, I have given you every herb from the garden. Abraham, like step out of your tent. Look at the stars in the sky. Look at the sand on the seashore. See, your descendants will outnumber even these. He says to Jacob, when he comes into the promised land, he says, see, I have given you this territory. Everywhere the sole of your foot touches, that's your ground. That's your land. We have to see with the eyes of God. He says to Moses, see, I have made you as God to Pharaoh, that I have given you that power. I have given you that authority. That's way beyond our wildest dreams. That's way beyond what we can see with blinders on. We have to look from a God's eye view. We have to look from his perspective. And Jesus gives us the main point. In John chapter 1, verse 51, Jesus says, then he said, I tell you the truth, you will all see heaven open and the angels of God going up and down on the Son of Man, the one who is this stairway between heaven and earth. Not just a good Led Zeppelin song, it's actually the words of Jesus from the Bible. The reason why this is so important, the reason why we need to break out of the, uncomfort, or the comfort zone of being self-propelled, and if you don't catch anything else from the message, please catch this. You cannot get to heaven on your own power. You cannot get to heaven on your own power. You cannot get to heaven self-propelled. Doesn't matter how fast you run. Doesn't matter how high you jump. Doesn't matter how big of a mountain you can climb. You cannot get to heaven self-propelled. We need Jesus. We need him to be able to step out of the comfort zone of being on this earth and reach a supernatural height. To be able to get to heaven, we have to rely on God. We have to allow him to expand, to open up the territory of heaven to us, to be that stairway so that we can go up and meet with him, to be that stairway, to be that door, to open up the pearly gates that we can come into heaven. We have to understand that we cannot do it in our own power. We cannot live self-propelled. The next comfort zone I want to talk about is the land of good enough. The land of good enough. It is a comfort zone that at best is a comfort zone of complacency. At worst, it's a comfort zone of laziness. We can rationalize it. We can say things like, I'm content here. It's too much work to get out of this place. Or maybe there's some resistance. We say, maybe I, 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 it's not that I don't want to step out of this comfort zone, but there's some blockage. There's some resistance to be able to go through. Well, that's why we have to believe Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They're plans for good, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. We can't buy into the lie that good enough is good. We cannot buy into the lie that good enough is good. And it's certainly not God's good. It's certainly not what Jeremiah 29, 11 believes. They're plans for good and not for disaster. Proverbs 25.2 says, It's the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings to search it out. You see, we have to be able to understand that when we're in the comfort zone, the land of of good enough, that that we need to be able to break out. We need to be able to, to look out and see what does God have for us. We have to search out the mysteries of the Bible. We have to search out the plans that he has for us. It says that he has good plans for us, but what are they? You know, maybe, maybe I kind of understand what God's good plans are for me, but there's no way I know what God's good plans are for you unless he just tells me. You know, but is he going to tell you, do you know what God's good plans are for you? Have you asked him, God, what are my good plans? 
You know, these are the things, these are the questions that we have to ask, but these are the things that, st- that allow us to step out of that comfort zone. You see, it starts, it starts in our head. It starts, actually, it starts in our spirit, and it overflows into our head, and that overflows into us actually moving and acting. We have to catch something in our spirit. You know, God, what are the plans that you have for me? I'm searching, I'm searching, I'm searching. But I, and the Bible says that if you seek, you will find. If you ask and keep asking, it will be given to you. If you knock and keep knocking, the door will be open. You will know what God's good plans are for you if you ask and keep asking. We just have to be uncomfortable enough to ask the question. And if we don't get an answer the first time, ask again. Keep knocking. How bad do you want to be in what God's territory is for you? How bad do you want that blessing? How bad do you want the good plans that he has for you? You have to get a little bit uncomfortable. You have to be a little bit persistent like the widow. No, that's not the answer I was looking for. I'm asking again. No, that's not the answer I'm looking for. I'm asking again. Knock on God's door. God never gets tired of you knocking on his door. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. The problem with the land of good enough is no longer really good enough, is when it gets no longer really good enough. But you've already convinced yourself that you don't need to act. Let me say that again because I butchered it the first time. The problem with the land of good enough is when it's no longer really good enough for you. But you've convinced yourself that you don't need to act. All of a sudden, you're stuck in that bed and you're getting bed sores. Where did this, how did this, how did I get here? The most comfortable place. I don't understand. It was great back then. I was so happy in that place, that comfort zone. But then I just stayed too long, and I knew that I should get up, but I didn't really want to get up because it took work. It took effort. Maybe there was some resistance. Maybe it was cold outside. Maybe, maybe like, the, the air conditioner was blowing, and, and, uh, and you're a little bit cold. You just pull the covers up. And like, no, I just want to stay here. But eventually it's going to get to the place where you know you should have got up an hour ago, but now you're late for work. Now the kids are doing whatever they want, watching cartoons, and the house is a mess. Like, you have to get out of that comfort zone before it's not really good enough anymore. But that takes action on our part. That takes action for us to step out of that place before it's not really good enough. About a year ago, um, there was, uh, actually right before Empower last year, there was, there was a couple of situations that just kind of popped up um, that were, were not really good enough for us. And uh, Lisa was dealing with some, some weird chest pain, like didn't really know what it was. And my dad at the same time was, was going through some like tough health issues and, and these things just kind of like kind of came up and, and we knew that it wasn't good enough and we knew that we had to act. And uh, on top of that, we were, we were moving out of our old house and uh, we were uh, build, starting to build this house here in Santee. So we needed a place to, to live in the, in the in-between. And we just, we couldn't find the right place. We looked and looked and looked and just couldn't, didn't get any peace, didn't get a release about the place to live. And Empower was about to come up. So, you know, all the staff, all the team, everybody's working up for Empower. And uh, we're believing for, for some people that, that hadn't been registered. Like, we know this is going to be uh, the best place for them. We know we want to get them there. And uh, it actually came to the point where we scheduled a, a, a doctor's appointment for Lisa. And I think my dad had, had just gone to a doctor's appointment as well. And so this appointment was coming up. And so the day before the appointment, I made the decision, you know, I'm, I'm not just going to sit back and see what happens, right? I'm not just going to stay in my comfort zone and allow whatever happens, happens, right? It's all in, it's all in God's hands anyway, so we're just going to let it all happen. No, I actually took it upon myself. I'm going to step outside of my, uncom- my comfort zone. I'm going to step into the uncomfort zone, and I'm going to do a fast. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, not, not eat anything for that whole day before that appointment because I'm believing for breakthrough. I'm believing for God's answer for this situation, not, not just what I, my own answer, what I, what I think is right. 
And, uh, and so I was doing this fast. But the problem is, on that particular day of all days, was donut day. See, I'm a part of this little group at my office called the Donut Club. And every two weeks, one of us in the club brings in donuts. And uh, there's, there's enough of us in the club that maybe two times a year, we have to bring in the donuts. Maybe two times a year, it's our turn to go get the donuts for the whole club. Of all days, that day, the day I decide to fast, was my day to bring the donuts. Are you kidding me, God? I mean, come on. It's hard enough to fast anyway. And by the way, why, why do they call it fasting? It's slow. It's not fast. There's nothing fast about it. It's painfully slow, especially when you got a box of donuts sitting on your desk. People are coming in all the time, getting the donuts out. And there was this one time somebody reached their hand in and got a donut out of the box. And this little crumb fell out of the box. And it was just sitting on, the t- on my desk, staring at me, <laughs> saying, you know you want me. It's just a little crumb. What's it going to matter? And so I'm sitting there staring at the crumb for a while debating. No, I wasn't really debating. Get behind me, Satan. I picked up that crumb. I threw it in the trash. Get out of here. You might be thinking, why why did you leave the donuts on your desk? Why didn't you just go put it on somebody else's desk? I'll tell you why. Because my wife loves donuts too. And so every donut day, if there's any donuts left over, I take one of the donuts home for her. In case you didn't know that already, my wife loves donuts. So I finished the fast. I got through donut day unscathed. Thank you, Jesus. It was hard. And, uh, and the amazing thing is, uh, I, I believe the Bible. You know, go figure. Isaiah 58, 7 and 9, talks about a fast day. It says, share your food with the hungry and give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them and do not hide from relatives who need your help. Watch this. Then your salvation will come like the dawn, and your wounds will heal quickly. Your godliness will lead you forward, and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. Then you will call, the Lord will answer. Yes, I am here. He will quickly reply. How many times do we get in situations where we need exactly that? I mean, are you kidding? You read this list, and all you have to do is fast? All of a sudden, fast becomes fast. It becomes easy when you see what happens on the other side of that uncomfort zone. When you step into the uncomfort zone of fasting, look at the breakthrough that can happen. Look at what God will do. Somebody say the very next day. The very next day after this fast, we got a report from the doctor. Lisa's issue was a, a sore, like probably one of the boys elbowed her or something. Dad's issue came back. They had run a biopsy. Everything was negative. There was no problem with my dad. Empower, like, uh, like the person that we were believing for signed up for Empower. They got it there. And that would have been enough, right? Like three out of four ain't bad. I mean, come on. I was ecstatic just from the first two. But God said, no, you were fasting and believing for four things. So God answered the prayer for the place to live. He brought us the exact right place. Everything that I had asked for in the uncomfort zone, God made it happen. When you step out in faith, when you step out and believe, you give God the authority. You give God the license to move over your life. The deception for this, un- for this comfort zone, the land of good enough, is that you, you lose hope. The devil is a hope thief, that he steals your hope in this place, and, and you settle for the land of good enough. You settle for what you've got. You settle for, for the things like, right, we're just supposed to be content in whatever we have. That's great, but nothing says that you can't have more. Nothing says that you can't expand your territory. Nothing says that you can't grow when, you're, when God is with you, right? We don't do it in our own power. We don't strive uh, for wealth just for our own personal gain. But we're, we're, we're called to be a blessing so that we can bless other people. 
The deception is also that it's too hard. It's too hard to, to break out of this land of good enough. Too hard for who? Too hard for you? Maybe. Too hard for God? No, 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 no. The Bible says, I can do all things through God who gives me strength. Philippians 4, 13. All things are possible to him who believes. Mark 9, 23. Luke 1, 37. With God, nothing is impossible. Who's it too hard for? Nothing is too hard for God. Jesus, once again, makes it plain for us in Mark chapter 10, 27. Jesus looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, it is impossible. Humanly speaking, but not with God. Everything is possible with God. The key to unlock this comfort zone, to step into the uncomfort zone, is faith. We get out of the land of good enough by faith. Hebrews 11 says, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. And if you come across a problem that's too tough, that's got you pinned in, use a tool like fasting. Fasting is an amazing tool. It's an amazing key to break through, to break out of the comfort zone of the land of good enough. The last, uncomfort, last comfort zone I want to talk about today is a place called Me, Myself, and Island. Me, Myself, and Island. For the first 18 years or so of our lives, we pretty much think that it's all about me. It's what do I want? What do I need? What do I want to do? We're a kid. We're, we're, we're just growing up. You know, we're learning life. We're, we're uh, learning to meet our own needs, and we don't really care about anything else. So it's, it's the job of parents to convince kids that that's not true. That's not the case. Sometimes it's harder than others. But if you're a good parent, you, you want to teach your kid, you want to train your kid that the world does not revolve around them as much as they would hate to admit it. And, uh, and then, as Clarissa said, when we get to... Uh, to you know, 18 to 21 years old, we enter this amazing time in our life called adulthood. Adulthood is where we find out if our parents were successful. <laughs> we find out if our parents convinced us that we're not the center of the universe, it's not all about me, that we actually have to think about other people's feelings. We have to actually uh, do things for other people. But still, even still, you know, when we enter adulthood, we do need to take care of our own needs. We need to take care of our, our body. We need to eat. We need to sleep. We need to do all those things. And then we embark on this epic journey, this epic quest to find our soulmate. Who's the one who will make me happy for the rest of my life? And I will have a storybook forever after. You see, it still kind of is about me, myself, and I. To all the single ladies out there and all the single guys, the Bible's got some advice for us, for you. I'm not single, just saying. <laughs> Song of Songs, chapter 2, verse 15. Catch all the foxes. Catch all those foxes, those little foxes, before they ruin the vineyard of love, for the grapevines are blossoming. Those little foxes are me monsters. Me, 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 me. What do I want? What do I want to do? Where do I want to go to eat? What's my favorite movie? What, are we, what, what, what am I going to do tonight? You can come along if you want, but if you want to be in a relationship with somebody like that, self-centeredness is not attractive. Not attractive at all. Sweet but a little bit psycho, a little bit psycho. Self-centeredness is not attractive. And like the song says, run, don't walk away from those type of people. Run away from those self-centered people that are all about me, myself, and I. And, and if, if, if people are running away from you, then maybe you should ask yourself that question. Do I, do I act self-centered? Am I that person who's stuck on me, myself, and island? The deception in this comfort zone 
is that I am most fulfilled by myself, that I am the one who can best fulfill my needs. It's only one piece of who we are. Like, yes, you need to eat. Yes, you need to take care of yourself. But that's, that's only one portion of who we are. There's seven plus billion people on this planet. We were created for a relationship. And not just relationship with other people, relationship with God. If we're not getting fulfilled by other people, if we're not getting fulfilled by God, then we're living an unfulfilled life. You think you're in a comfort zone, but really you're just trying to meet your own needs. You're just in your own little world. You're on your own little island. We need other people to be in our worlds. And so I have this advice for all the single people out there. When you're in a relationship and you've, you've come to the place where you think this could be the one, all things else being equal, ask yourself this question. If it brings me joy to serve them and they feel the same way, then maybe, you, just maybe, you found Mr. and Mrs. Wright. If it brings you joy to serve them and they feel the same way about you, then maybe, just maybe, you found Mr. or Mrs. Wright. The key to unlock this comfort zone is what this Sunday is all about, serving. Serve Sunday. Serve Sunday will get you out of the comfort zone of me, myself, and Island, where you start to meet the needs of other people. Mother Teresa says this, the fruit of love is service, which is compassion in action. The fruit of love is service, which is compassion in action. And the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5, 25, 26, for husbands, this means love your wives, just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. Another Mother, Mother Teresa quote, kind words can be short and easy to speak, but their echoes are truly endless. Why is it so hard to, to speak kind words over people? It's, it's like, it seems like it should, like Mother Teresa says, be short and easy, right? Like, I mean, like, you're amazing, you're awesome, you're beautiful, all these things. It, it seems like it's such an easy thing to do. But somehow, some way, we make it awkward, we make it difficult. The Bible says death and life are in the tongue, that, that we can choose to speak death, we can choose to speak life, but that we're going we're gonna to reap what we sow. I have a, a, a plant in my office at work, but I got it about, around about the time East Campus started, and uh, pretty much every day when I go into my office, I, uh, I'll, I'll get a, a little spray bottle, and I'll spray the leaves of the plant, you know, turn it around, rotate it, so it gets watered, it looks nice, wash it with water. And as I'm doing this, I kid you not, as I'm doing this, I speak over the plant. I tell the plant, you are beautiful, healthy, and strong. Your roots, your stems, your leaves are exemplary specimen. Every day I go into my office, pretty much every day without fail, I'll spray the plant with water and I'll speak these words. I'll speak life into that plant. And the plant is doing great. The plant is awesome. Is it perfect? No, but you'll never hear me tell the plant that. Sometimes I wish... I spoke over my wife as much as I spoke over the plant. I do. I do speak over my wife, and she'll, she'll tell you. But maybe it's not every day. How easy is it to say, you're beautiful, you're healthy, you're strong. Your roots, your stems, whatever. But you're beautiful. <laughs> How, why do we make that hard? Can we, can we just all make an agreement right now, East Campus? Can we all do this? Let's, let's all just say, we're, we're not going to think 
that speaking good words over somebody is awkward. We're, we're just, we're just going to remove any awkwardness. We're just going to start saying, you're awesome. You're beautiful. It doesn't, it's not awkward. It doesn't matter if you're single or married to anything. Let's just remove all of that from the, can we make that agreement right now? Can we do that? All right, I'm seeing a lot of head nods. We're just going to start speaking life over people and assume that it's not silly. It's not awkward. But, but why is it? Where is that coming from anyway? It's because when we speak something over somebody, when we, when we, it doesn't matter good or bad, there's, there's an openness to our soul. It's like they're, they're getting a window to our soul. They're, they're, they're reading into our words or they're, they're thinking things. Like, like, but we made an agreement. We're just going to say these beautiful things over each other. We're just going to speak life into each other. We're going to agree that it's not going to be silly. But what it is, it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. And, and that's a good thing, right? That's a good thing that it's uncomfortable because that's the zone we want to be in. If we've learned anything today, it's that we want to be in the uncomfort zone. Yes? Yes. Come on. We're going to wrap up the message. Uncomfort zone, being in the uncomfort zone is, is, like, is like finishing a good workout. You're going to be exhausted. You're going to be sore. But there's going to be a sense of accomplishment. And you're going to see results. It's going to produce rewards, being in the uncomfort zone. And we know this in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. It says, and it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. If you make the decision that you want to be a lump of clay in God's hands and not just on your own, then you're seeking him. If you make the decision that you want him to put you on his wheel, that you want him to press on you, you want him to squeeze you if he has to, you want him to do whatever he needs to do, put you in those uncomfortable situations if he has to, spin you around and around, you're so dizzy you can't even stand up, but you know you're in his presence. If you want that, then you need to step into the uncomfort zone. And the truth is that the Bible is full of uncomfortable situations. Abraham lifted up a knife to kill his son Isaac because God had asked him to. God stayed his hand, but he said, because you have not withheld this one thing from me, you've not withheld your, your son Isaac. Abraham is known as the father of faith in the Bible. Jacob he was called to go back to a territory, go back to a region where his brother lived, a brother who he had robbed of an inheritance, a brother whose blessing he had stole. And he ran because he thought the brother was going to kill him, and he was probably right. If he had stayed there at that time, the brother probably would have killed him. But God told him to go back because he wasn't supposed to live in that other land. He was supposed to live in the promised land. He was supposed to live in that place. And because Jacob went back, because Jacob just started the journey back just because he obeyed God and went to that place. On the road there, he met with God, and God changed his life forever. Moses chose the life of a slave over a life in the palace. And he got, got so angry, got so upset with the, an Egyptian that he killed. And he killed somebody who was under the authority of Pharaoh. So he ran. He went away too, just like Jacob, because he thought he was going to get killed. But God told him at one point, I need you to go back. I need you to go back to the scene of the crime. I need you to go back to that place where you made that biggest mistake you've ever made because I've got something that I want in you that I want to use to save my people. Moses, because he went back, freed Israel from 400 years of slavery. 400 years of slavery because Moses decided to step into an uncomfort zone. 
Esther stood before the king and saved her entire people at the, at the risk, at the peril of her own life. She saved an entire people because she stepped up to her own comfort, own comfort zone. What's your own comfort zone? Where do you need to step? Mary was pregnant with the son of God. Even though she'd never slept with a man, she had to spend nine months pregnant with the son of God in her. Never slept with a man. Imagine how uncomfortable that would be. She was engaged, but she wasn't married to Joseph. Imagine the conversation where she had to tell Joseph, I'm pregnant. But because she did that, because she stepped into that uncomfort zone, because she allowed God to move in her life, she's the mother of Christ. Paul was, was given a ministry to teach love, to preach love to Christians. The problem is that just before that, he was responsible for torturing, for murdering, for putting in jail all these people that he now has to preach love to. But because he took up that mantle, that uncomfort zone, he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Jesus entered one of the most uncomfortable situations conceived by man. Jesus allowed himself to be beaten, to be scourged, whipped to the point of death. A crown of thorns put on his head, walking the Via Dolorosa, which means the way of suffering. And he was put up on a cross, died an excruciating death. But because he did that, because he took on that uncomfort zone, because he didn't say no to God, he said, God, not my will, but your will be done. That uncomfortable situation saved all of mankind for eternity. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, team, and what we do at C3 San Diego, go to C3SanDiego.com.